Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Bay. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computech. They provide technical and development expertise to growth focused marketing. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Sajil Kreshi here with another episode of RevOps 500, where we interview some of North America's greatest B2B marketers. Today, I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, we are talking to a, a, a guru, a true guru indeed. Uh, she is the expert link between AI, digital sales, and marketing results. She's the mastermind behind business scoring, all those high intense sales opportunities that you, you're looking for. I mean, she's the person who can get you those. She's the mastermind of those things. And yeah, but that's not all. She's uh, She's got the secret sauce to doing content marketing like a pro. She can seal deals in record time. Uh, right now, you can find her as the AI strategic lead and content video coach at Impact. Brianna Walgenbach, welcome to RevOps 500. Hey, thank you. Man, you're making my head swell with all these accolades. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know it's it's hey it's like I said everybody it's it's your it's your, it's your biography you know it's it's this is like A and E biographies this is your channel so I mean this is your your thing it's just 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 preaching to the choir right I love it I love it all right so Brianna just let's just jump right into it what is one RevOps myth that you'd want to want to jam for us on yes the one the big one that I want to talk about is is RevOps just another marketing thing. Right. We've all been in meetings where we've had a new idea tossed our way and we go to dive into said new idea to only be told it's changing a couple of weeks later. Right. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating. We've all had that happen. And this is not that. This is not just to say, hey, let's throw another marketing thing your way. The reality is that we as business leaders, business owners, um, business employees, any part of the organization that you touch the more collaborative that we can become to help all of us obsess over our customers ends up, of course, educating our customers and helping them qualify or disqualify themselves, but ultimately leading us to close more deals with intention and faster when we all collaboratively work together versus staying separate in all of our little silos and saying, okay, I'm working on this thing over here and I think it's really good because of this. And we've got another person who's working on something completely different and they feel that that's so good because of another reason. Wouldn't it just be so much easier if we all work together towards a common goal, not necessarily a new marketing thing. So you're, you're, it sounds like, Brandon, what you're saying is that people confuse RevOps for some sort of a marketing strategy like social media or SEO or paid search or stuff yeah. like that. Yes. And and how do you how do you break that myth down then? What do you what do you say? I mean, because it's more of an operational thing. It's not really a marketing tactic, right? Yeah. And you took the words right out of my mouth. It is more of an operational thing. It's okay. not necessarily, hey, here's this shiny new tactic that we're going to try. We're talking about a full culture shift, right? So at Impact, one of the one of the biggest frameworks that we speak to is called They Ask You Answer. Um, it's a book written by Marcus Sheridan, and we're currently working on the third iteration of it, which I'm so excited. 
here. In they ask you answer, what we talk about on repeat is bringing down the department silos that we all inherently have within our organizations. And when we do that, number one, it opens up a can of worms, right? It allows all of us to collaborate together versus staying compacted into our own little zones of our organization. So here at Impact, when we talk about obsessing with our customer, we're not just talking about the marketing team obsessing with our customer on our website or our content team obsessing over our customers with our video content, our written content. Those are both great things but it's even more impactful when we can have those people working together so that we're working on the same obsession of our customer, if you will. Are we being as transparent and open as we can be with our marketing efforts as well as with our content efforts? We can only get so far when we keep those divided, right? So. Mm making sure not only content and marketing, but let's get sales in there too. Let's get the salespeople who are actually boots on the ground, hearing the customer questions, going into those sales appointments, actually really experiencing firsthand what our customers' real frustrations are, what their real points of um, frustration within our website are, right? There's so many, oh, I can't tell you how many websites I go to and I, as the user, have to try to figure out what it is their company does, right? That should not be the case. If anyone comes to any website, it should be clear within the first like 10 seconds as to what is it that you do that could help me? What is the problem that your company could potentially solve for me? So when we talk about obsessing over our customer, we really want to say, have we removed every barrier that we possibly can? And you can only discover what those barriers are by being collaborative with everybody in your organization. So that full culture shift, really getting everybody to get on board with that team mentality that yes, we all have different departments and different roles, but we don't have to live in those silos. We can collaborate towards the obsession of our customer. So what if, I mean, so let's talk about maybe some of the friction that can come with that. So if you're talking about everybody has to be collaborative and you're getting the customer pain points, frustrations out, you know, maybe one, maybe one person's, one department's frustration is another person's problem or benefit, right? So, you know, how do you, you how do you break that? How do you break that down? How do you get buy-in when there's conflicting interests? What do you do? Yeah. Like, let's say we have, um, I'll just use like a content writer as an example. Let's say we have a content writer who feels very strongly um, that we should have a content strategy all around a certain product or service that we offer, right? Inherently, that sounds good, right? Of course, we want to write about our own products and services, but we have a sales team and we've got a sales member who's saying, yes, I agree. We do want to have content around said product and service, but that's not the big need right now in sales. Right now in sales, we're finding that we're getting people into these sales conversations, but when we actually have a consultation with them, they're coming to that consultation really undereducated on what we're talking about. Though That's the misalignment right there. Right. And so the question with that might be, well, well, who's right? Like, what do we do? And the only way to decide, quote unquote, who's right or what the strategy should be moving forward is to get sales and said content writer communicating together because Mm -hmm. we all have the same goal. Right. Within our organizations, we want to help people, hopefully, (laughs) but also want to help our own organizations. Right. At the end of the day, 
We want to make money for our businesses. We want to make money for our organizations. And if we have a sales member who's saying, hey, I really need this. This is what's going to help me close deals faster. And we've got a content team who isn't aware of what that need is. You know, they're they're bustling about right in a way, thinking that they're doing the right work. And it's not to say their work isn't, isn't right, mm-hmm. but is it right right now? No. Sure. So there's so many conversations that aren't had when we keep separate and if we can come together i mean even with that example let's say that salesperson talks about that need well that content writer i would imagine wouldn't say oh scrap that sales aren't important what they need's not important it really should be yes yes tell me what you need i want to hear what that need is because our sales team should be, in a sense, a part of our marketing team. We should all be one. If we're yeah. hearing what customers need, hearing their questions, boom, let's map our content strategy and marketing strategy around that. We're obsessing with the customers by linking in with our team who talks to the customers. So really that collaborative piece, it sounds easy. It's not as easy. Yeah, but, <laughs> but what, 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 doors to have that combo is that first step. Yeah, but Brianna, like, why, why is that so complicated? I mean, like, you know, you, you have you, you talk about sales on this side, you talk about, you know, content marketers on this side, right? Aren't they just like a left hand, right hand sort of thing? I mean, why why can't they talk? I mean, why can't they, you know, they... Yeah. Why, why aren't they talking? Why does a company like Impact have to come in and get them to to talk and stuff? Yes, that is such a like a golden question because it does sound like, duh, why wouldn't they collaborate, right? Mm-hmm. Inherently, it sounds like it makes sense. But it is way harder to carry out in real life. Let's say I've got a sales team member who they've been on my team for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? And mm-hmm. they are crushing it. They're our top salesperson. They've got their strategies in place. They've got their rhythm in place. They've got the way they do their things and it's giving them success right now. It's given them success for decades, for years, whatever you want to say. If you're that salesperson, and I've been in a situation like this before where I've got my own way of doing things and I really like it and it's successful Mm -hmm. for me. And then I've got some young person coming in saying, hey, let's shake it up. Let's do something different. I don't want to. I'm comfortable where I am. I'm right. getting success. Why do I have to change things? Exactly. And I'm not alone in that thought process. That is a big point of friction that we see, which is one of the main things that we come in to help with is to bridge that gap. And it's not easy. A lot of our clients try to first do it on their own and they stumble and they 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 go through that pain. And then eventually they realize, you know what? We need somebody who can be objective, not within our organization, to come in who speaks sales language. They've been a salesperson, right? They, they've talked with and worked with many industries, many different sales personalities, if you will. But really the, the main kind of difficulty there is if you've got something that's working well, don't fix what isn't broken. A lot of us get stuck in that mentality. And that's a mentality that you can live in, but things are forever changing. We have to have an open mind to say, hey, our buyer's behavior is changing. So why do we think that we can still stay in our old routines and our old systems and still have the same success? If our buyers are changing, we need to change along with them. And part of that is going to be through collaboration with other like-minded thinkers in our organization. We all have that same goal. 
but we need to be willing to say, hey, I don't know what I don't know. And that comes from a place of vulnerability, which if you know a typical salesperson, they generally are a very confident individual and very set in their ways, not necessarily always open to hearing how things can be done differently. So we need to break down those walls and get people to that place of vulnerability to say, hey, what you're doing is great and you are getting great results. Of course you are. You've been doing this for 20 years. We could all stand to learn a lot from you. But (laughs) there's always a but, but there are other ways to be doing this. So something that is part of They Ask You Answer is called assignment selling. Have you ever heard of assignment selling, Sajil? I have not heard of it, no. Okay. Well, I'm excited to tell you about it. So it is very simplistic, Uh but the idea is that we use content to educate our customers so that they are coming to our salespeople with more education and not necessarily less questions, but more intentional questions because they've gotten their top level, like surface level questions out of the way because our website is filled with educational content, both written and video, so we can feed both. If you don't love to read, but you love to watch, great, we got video content. If you're (laughs) not on video and you love to read, we've got written content and we write about everything. If it's a customer asking a question, we write about it. If somebody has a question about say cost, we don't make them talk to our sales department to figure that out. We've got a full pricing page. We encourage you to be super, super transparent. And now, generally speaking, there is a old tactic that a lot of companies still use, and that is hiding your pricing, right? Hiding it, making you talk to sales. And speaking from a user myself, that's frustrating. I should be able to go on your website and get the info I need to know if your product or services is going to solve the problem I have. I don't want to talk to sales, right? But I want to have that info. So can we, as sales leaders and as organizational leaders, can we set up our website to work for us in that way? Can we utilize our content team in collaboration with our sales team to make sure we're creating the right content that actually speaks to those questions so that when we do have a prospect reach out to us, say for a sales consultation or a demo or whatever that looks like in your organization, we have sales teams who are armed with content. Because Sajil, if I said, hey, great, let's book a sales conversation. How about next Wednesday at noon? And you said, sounds great. And then I don't talk to you. You don't hear from me until next week. That's a long time to go by, right? Yep. Now, what if I said, Sajil, next Wednesday at noon, that sounds great. Look for an email coming from me in the next 48 hours. I'm going to send you um, an article that I would like you to read to help you be best prepared for our conversation next week. And Mm -hmm. you read said article. We are going to be able to have a more intentional conversation that's going to essentially help you decide if what we're offering is going to be the solution for your problem. And... Selfishly on a sales side, it helps me not to have to answer on repeat all the same questions that every customer asks, right? Yeah. So we like to we like to call that assignment selling. So giving you the option and making sure you do it to educate yourself ahead of that conversation so we can skate past that, those just surface level things and really get down to the meat of what we're talking about. So assignment selling. 
Easier said than done, but I'm yes. sure. Yeah, it sounds like I mean, like, you know, you're, you're you're giving you're giving. I mean, I know you've got a background in education, so I mean, you're giving you're giving clients or prospects homework too, right? I mean, like, so is in yes. do they ever, do they ever say like you know my my dog ate my homework, Brianna? I can't make the I can't I can't I couldn't read the article by by Wednesday. Wednesday comes. I mean, what what, what do you do then? What do you, what do you yeah. do? Do you reprimand them somehow? What do you do? Yeah, that happens <laughs> all the time, right? Speaking as yeah. a past teacher, kids don't do homework all the time, and. Really? Uh, who used the line? Hey, my dog ate it. And I was like, oh, great. What kind of dog is it? You are a liar? Yeah. <laughs> In the real business world, yeah. we adults are just grown-up middle schoolers, right? Exactly. We still have that same mentality. Oh my gosh, you're giving me work to do? I don't want to do work. That sounds yeah. no. It's a big no for me. Exactly. So the key is getting the confirmation. You want to take it one step further. So it's not mm. just Hey, Sajil, we're going to meet next Wednesday at noon. Can you read this article? Make sure you're prepared, right? Mm. Sure. I've done my my job. I've sent you the article, but I missed the answer. Did you tell me you were going to read it? Did you give me that confirmation? Not necessarily, right? Mm. I've got to ask for the confirmation. And that is oftentimes the thing that is missed. Ask for the confirmation. So that might sound like... Hey, Sajil, we're meeting next Wednesday at noon. I'm really excited for our conversation. I want to make sure you get the most out of our time together. So in order for us to have an effective call that is really intentional and leaves you feeling clear about what you want to do next, it's going to be vital that you take a look at the article that I've shared with you. Do you think that's something that is feasible for you to do before we hop on our call next Wednesday at noon? And let's say you say yes. And now Wednesday's getting a little closer. Yeah, as it does. As it does. Yeah. I'm going to, as the salesperson, yeah. owning this meeting, right? It's my job to follow up with you and reaffirm that confirmation. So mm. a few days before I say, hey, Sajil, just wanted to uh, give you one last reminder. Make sure you read that article that we referenced. I'm really excited to dive into the, the details that we discussed. You know, obviously applicable to whatever that call is sure. going to be. Get that confirmation. Don't be afraid to ask. A lot of us are afraid to ask because yeah. we're nervous. We might hear no. Of course, yeah. Deal. What if you tell me like, you know what, Brianna, I've got time to read this article. It's a no from me. Then that tells me, ooh, he's not even really willing to read an article. Is he qualified for our services? Mm. Mm, okay, I see. Mm, okay. So yeah. this gives you the opportunity to qualify, disqualify, and also depending on what that article 80% video. And so an 80% video is all the common questions, say like the most common five, 10, eight to 10 questions that you know you get asked every sales consultation. Ask any salesperson, easy Absolutely. to get off what those are, right? And with that, since we're asked the question so often, we have pretty templated responses we give because we give them all the time. Can we put those in the form of a video? Yeah. Send that ahead of time. Does a couple things. Number one, we're touching on all the questions that we know they're going to ask. So we're giving them those answers. Number two, I said, we're giving. We, the salesperson. So if you get a video from me ahead of our consultation, you see me, you hear me, you start to know me. You start to trust me mm-hmm. that when we go into our conversation, you actually feel because you hopefully have watched my 80% video, you feel like you know me a little bit already. So that sales conversation 
barriers are broken down a little bit because I'm not some new person you're meeting, right? You already spent some time with me and you had some hard questions addressed. And when I say hard questions, I'm talking about price. Price. Talk about price. (laughs) (laughs) How everybody wants to know. And especially if you've got some big ticket items, well, let's say you've got, say, a a product or service that is, let's just spike it up and let's say it's a $20,000 deal. Hmm. Well, if your prospect is nowhere in that budget range, is it a good use of your time or their time for you to have that sales call? It might oh, not yeah. be. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Through that 80% video, that candidate or that prospect can disqualify themselves and hopefully then know, hey, this isn't going to be in my budget. I need to look for other avenues of what's going to, you know, solve the problem that I'm currently going through. So it serves a lot. And it's not that hard to create because it's all made up of questions that you already know because you get asked them all the time. So yeah, assignment selling. Ooh, it's a whole lot of fun. It's so practical and a huge time saver. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of RevOps 500. This podcast is a great opportunity and channel for revenue operations and much more. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to ship production to a friendly team, check out ringmaster.com. They're the team behind this podcast. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computan. Computan serves as the back-end dev and technology team for shorthanded marketing agencies and departments. Shorthanded? Wait a minute. That sounds like me. Now, let's get back to it. The end. Yeah, so I mean, like that's like, that's a, that's a, it's, a, it's a great piece when it comes to like the you know the sales and marketing ends of of RevOps. Now, what about like the customer success end of it? Like you know the actual part. So like you know these are current clients or whatever. And now you know that's the third recipe piece of the recipe. Where does where does something like these uh like like they ask you answer or something like that play into 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 that into that realm of the of a business? So like um someone who's maybe potentially like been working with us for a long time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, 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 like that, they are a customer now, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're working, they're, they're, they're being serviced by a business, you know, by impact, whomever. What, what does that, uh, what does that fit in now? Yeah. And we have a lot of clients who actually have that same scenario where they get a lot of their business from repeat customers. It's not always like a net new person that's coming in for their Mm -hmm. business. And I would arguably say, As of recent, that actually has been a lot more than before. So with that, a missed opportunity that a lot of us, I say us as in anybody in your organization really, is, you know, we always chase that new sale Mm. because it's bright, new, it's shiny, it's tangible. It always feels good as a salesperson to close a new deal, right? It's a celebration. We like that dopamine hit. We love it. But we want to make sure we're still nurturing the people who are already within our systems so that they keep coming back and they can be those lifelong customers. And that is usually an opportunity that a lot of companies don't dive into because they're like, great, we already got them in the door. Boom. Check that off the to-do list. Back over to new people I go. I think we there's an argument to be made that we don't always want to say back over to new people I go. What about all these people that are already working with us who mm-hmm. already have the trust, Right. You've got essentially a captive audience at your fingertips. So what are we doing to make sure that there's a benefit to them to keep coming back from us? So it's not just, okay, sign up for our newsletter. We'll send you, you know, latest trends, that type of stuff. That's all good and fine. But can we take it a step further? Are we ensuring that assignment selling isn't just used to close the first deal, 
but it's used to close deal after deal, nurture after nurture. So what that could look like, Sajil, is um, <clears throat> let's say you had a closed deal and you came back or you were just like still within our pipeline in some former fashion. Mm-hmm. That may be that you came to us for a certain product or service and you don't, you're not aware of all the other products and services that we offer. We have a company mm-hmm. exactly like this. They have a lot of people who come to them for printing, print on paper. And that's only mm-hmm. like a fourth of what their company does. So what mm-hmm. they have started to implement is depending on what someone comes in for, of course, we're going to keep them in the know as to what's going on with that product and service line, but then also keeping them in the know of everything else that ties to anything that they bought from us but being intentional with not overloading. So I've seen this done not well, (laughs) where we're like, great, we got people, let's stick them on an email list and just, you know, start flooding their emails. We all have been on those email lists. Absolutely. Subscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. (laughs) So we don't want to just send content for sake of content. So Mm -hmm. here's where that collaboration piece comes in. Hey, sales team. Hey, content marketing team. Let's sync together. Sales team, when you're in those conversations with the clients that come back, what are those objections? What are those questions? Because they're not necessarily the same as new customers coming in the door. They may still be around price. Chances are they're still around price. It may look different. So are we having the conversations with our sales team? And are we asking our customers, right? If you have a business where one of your big revenue pieces is that repeat customer, Well, hopefully through trust building, you've developed a strong relationship with them. Can you ask them what their questions are? I think a lot of times we, you know, we collaborate internally, which is great, but there's even more power in talking to the customers and saying, hey, what do you need? What problems are you having right now in your business? And do we have anything that can be your solution? So it's almost like, I don't want to say treating them like a partner, but a little bit, right? If they're if they're utilizing your business for success of their business, y'all are partners. So you should be able to have that open line of communication. So collaborating internally, yes, but also opening that up for others client-wise to say, "Hey, let's have let's get your opinions in here." Cuz assignment selling works with both, but those fears, worries, objections, concerns aren't always going to be the same versus like a net new customer. Makes sense. Makes sense. So like now, Brianna, let's let's try to switch gears a little bit. So, you know, you've, you talked about, you know, Simon selling, we talked a bit about customer success, obviously thought about, you know, the sales and marketing, how they need to be connected with questions, all sorts of things. Now to implement something like this, technically, what, what is, what is required? Uh, you know, when, when you were putting this together yourself, I'm sure you've done it many, many times at engines like this, what, what, what keeps you up at night working hard on, on these sorts of things? You know, what, 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 is, what are those technical challenges that you can kind of you know, unload on us? Yeah. The, especially with AI being hot and heavy as it is, and it's continuing and it mm-hmm. will continue, something I like to say is AI is the worst today than it's ever going to be. It's only going to get right. better tomorrow and the next mm-hmm. day and the next day. And so what I find a lot of, I would say more C-suite individuals asking the question of, okay, this they ask you answer stuff. This all sounds good. Building trust with our end users, being collaborative, breaking down silos. Yes, this all sounds good. 
but AI is here. So do I really need to like hire a writer? Can't AI just write all my stuff for me? And it can, mm-hmm. but you need someone to own it, right? So yes, we have the chat GPTs. Yes, we have the Jaspers, the copy AIs, the insert any tool here, mm-hmm. but we need a human to own it. And so Marcus Sheridan, who's the author of They Ask You Answer and one of the owners of Impact, what you will hear him say very, very passionately, he gets real passionate when he's speaking, is you need to have a sole owner of content. You got to have someone owning this. So yes, we do recommend go ahead and hire an in-house writer. Go ahead and hire an in-house videographer. Get your team tightened up so that number one, you got a team, but number two, you know that their sole priority and purpose is developing educational content. You've got to have content people first to develop the content. And then can we start to, again, break down those silos, right? And have that content team sink in and have intentional conversations, right? So that's Mm. one piece of it. Now, another piece of it is your data. I haven't talked on data yet, but when people talk about AI, they generally are like, oh yeah, that chat GPT thing. Have you seen that? (laughs) Really? That's just the brink of it, right? That's that's a piece. And so as we talk about doing a culture shift organizationally, we want to make sure our systems are buttoned up and tightened up. So in the way of customer data, how are you collecting it? Do you have a CRM? Well, a CRM that we love, 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 and our partners with is HubSpot. And one of the great things with HubSpot is if we're talking about collaboration with sales and content or sales and marketing, this gives our content people essentially like the inside view as to what's going on with sales. How are they closing their deals? What does their deal board look like? Do they have a deal board? (laughs) Are they keeping it updated? But HubSpot or your any CRM of choice can be your one source of truth. The one source of truth that we're publishing our content through. We're also closing our sales deals. We're keeping our sales pipeline super clear. So if I'm the writer and I'm wondering, huh, what's a need for our sales team? Let me go look at a few deals that they have on their deal board and see what can I learn? What can I glean from looking through those contact reports? What can I learn from having a conversation with the salesperson about said deal? Do we have a consistent revenue team meeting? That's what we like to call it, where we've got sales on board. We've got someone in leadership in that that meeting. And we also have our content team leading the meeting with salespeople in mind. The whole idea of this culture shift is so that we can close deals faster with more intention, with quality leads versus just grabbing anything and anyone that we can. So in terms of a culture shift, I mentioned a lot of different roles there, Sajil. And one that I mentioned coming into the revenue team meeting is someone in the way of leadership. Mm. We've had a lot of clients work with us who have not had full buy-in from the CEO. And when there isn't full buy-in, doesn't work. Suite, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so the companies that we've had had the most success I'll use an example of one of our current clients, Linda Roofing out of Myrtle Beach. Whoa. Okay. Their CEO is involved in everything. He works with the writer on a day-by-day basis. There's nothing that goes missed because 
this is his baby, right? Like he, he's boots on the ground. He's going out to different, different um, projects and actually seeing what people are saying while then also in turn going back and speaking to the content team, they have everybody on board. So nothing goes missed. And there's never one person that's like one foot in one foot out the door, having that negative mindset, kind of bringing the team down. Their whole team is bought in because Jeffrey Linta is bought in. Mm. So they see their leadership bought in because if there is any sway either way, it trickles down, right? We've seen that with many things. We got to have buy-in from the top down. It's so interesting that like, yeah, you, you, and you mentioned that like the CEO needs to be involved in, in these sorts of things, even though RevOps is really kind of like a, I don't want to say in, in the weeds thing, but you know, it's a sales, marketing, customer success. Usually you think the CEO just kind of oversees all that stuff. But mm-hmm. amongst other things, but you know, she or he is doing is is actually in this Linda Roofing case. I mean, you know, you know, he he is actually in there. When you say in there, is he's actually writing or is he actually filming? Is he part of the content? What exactly? Do, what's what's the extent of his involvement in in the RevOps function? Yeah, so they have an in-house content manager. Um, her name is Jesse, and she owns all of content. And Jeffrey, I mean, he was hands-on. We helped. Mm-hmm them hire her. And so he was within that process. So he isn't writing, but Mm. before they hired her, he didn't sit on they ask you answer. He didn't have a writer on staff. Mm. So he started writing some stuff himself. And his mentality and his work ethic is just, honestly, it's above and beyond. And I wish, I wish I could just like every little bit of his energy and just sprinkle it across all the CEOs that I know. But the reality with him is he has humbled himself and he isn't sitting up here at a top level being mighty CEO, right? He's been in the roles that are in his company. So he knows whatever, what every role encompasses because he's done it. And while not every CEO can say that about every role within their organization, Mm. We've all either been a part of a company or maybe had a friend or a family member who has mentioned this within their company that, man, leadership is so disconnected from us doers, right? Us who are doing the things yep. in the weeds. It doesn't have to be that way, right? It just, it doesn't. And we may feel like as a leader or a C-suite person, we may feel like, yeah, 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 but I'm, I'm up here. I shouldn't have to work with those people down there. Mm. Fix that mindset right now. If we want to make some massive moves, if we want to make a massive culture shift, it's everybody. It's everybody. Yep. Yep. So yeah, Jeffrey Linta, he's not writing, um, but Mm. you know what he is doing? He is always making himself available to be that on-camera talent, to be the face of Linta. So that when their customers are looking for a place of trust building and they see his face, they're going to feel like they know him they're going to feel like they trust him mm. because he's not brand new to them, right? So making yourself available when you're able to, which is not always easy as a CEO mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. um, but prioritizing it is the first step in making yourself more visible and available to your employees. Got it. Okay. So now I'm going to change gears again, totally on you, Brianna. So, I mean, you know, you you used to teach math, right? I mean, and, and that was your that was your thing. So, you know, RevOps is, you know, is, is marketing, sales, data, you know, customer success, alignment, connection of all these different silos. You know, how would you, and then you had the ask and answer on top of that, which is what, you know, it's a unique claim to fame, the impact, obviously. Now, 
take yourself, put yourself back into the into the math teacher role. You know how how do you explain RevOps to that to that class on a on a snow day? What, what do you what do you do? <laughs> how do you do that? That is a great question. Ooh, taking me back to the middle school days. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I- <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so Jill, how I ran my classroom was a little uh-huh. different from your average teacher. Okay, um, I was not a sit and get teacher. I wasn't ah, okay. uh, standing up in the front of the room saying, "Listen to me," because I know all the things. Some <laughs> days I did that. Most days, no. Um, so generally speaking, we would start with some little like mini lesson, five, 10, 20 minutes, maybe. Right. Um, but the way that I had my classroom situated, no desks were facing forward. Wow. I know I'm probably just shaking all the bones of parents out there right now, but desks did not face the front because I wasn't generally in the front of the classroom. My desks oh. were always placed into groups of four so that they could see each other and talk to each other and face each other and work together. Now, something else that I was able to do when all my kids were in groups is just insert any friendly competition when I felt like it, which of course I did. And what happened was a whole lot of fun, of course, but a team mentality came out of that math classroom. And that is a skill that as a middle schooler, you will use in your adult life. You know, we oftentimes in K through 12 school, we do a lot of sit and get, let me sit as my one student, listen to the teacher talk, learn the things, do my work, roll that over into adult life. Hmm. So Jill, if you didn't have good communication skills and you weren't good at working with others, how would that impact your job today? Significantly marginally, yeah. (laughs) Right? Huge. Huge, yeah, of course. I know that. And so educators, I'm not alone in having kids work together in groups. I didn't invent that. Sure, sure. Actually moving their desks and making them face one another, what I had found is they started to operate as little teams, right? And so now let's let's transfer this over to the business world. We all have little teams. There are departments. Or mm-hmm. I have to call them our squads because it's more mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> um, but when they have their teams, some groups even would get like team names, real, real fancy names for middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. But that gives them the opportunity then to say, all right, every group, select one leader. Great. Yeah. That one leader is going to move to the next group. And you're going to share with that group what your team discovered on said topic, said activity. It gives those students an opportunity not only to share their findings, but let that leader start to practice their teaching skills. Because if we can teach someone something, that really defines our own comprehension there. So thinking of how this would roll out with students is exactly that way. Sure, can we operate as teams, but let's not stay in those teams. Okay. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe if if you, if you, if you did this, in, in a business, you'd have one table would be the HR table. One is the, one is like the operations table. One is marketing, one is sales. And then you say, okay, yep. well, tell me what marketing does. Someone says, excited leader. Then you guys all come together, talk, bring the ideas back. And then you kind of a bit more connected throughout the classroom. Nice. Interesting. And now interesting. one more thing I will say, kind of the secret sauce to the puzzle, mm-hmm. the teacher in the room, me, let's pretend I'm the CEO in the business, right? Mm-hmm. If you came into my classroom, Sajil, and you just walked in, chances are, Now, I was teaching middle schoolers, so they were a little on the shorter end. So if I was standing, I would stick out because my head would be above everybody else in the room. Sure. But that typically wouldn't be the case. Typically, I am down, 
sitting on the ground with them, going department by department, right? I'm going team by team in my math classroom to ensure comprehension, to ensure positivity, collaboration is the same thing with the CEO. Are we attending our department meetings? Are we showing up, being available? Something that our CEO, Bob Ruffalo does, oh, this is just so wonderful. He he means it when he says it. Like if I have a question, I don't need to jump through hoops or talk to someone first before I go to the CEO. I can pull up his Google Calendar right now and book time with him today. He makes himself available because it's a priority to him because he knows how important it is for all of us as employees to feel valued by him and feel that value through actually having a real meaningful relationship with him. Right. So much so many CEOs and people in way of leadership are separate from their employees. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that way. It's the same, like the teacher going around group by root group in their classroom. But in this case, it would be by department or squad or whatever you want to call it. So in in, in your in your analogy, this the in the teacher in the room is the CEO or is it or is the teacher in the room like a, an agency like impact who is pulling the, the strings around? The CEO yeah. is, is is the is the catalyst to get yeah. the teams to talk to one another. Yep. Right. Yep. So it's a lot of so it's a lot of it's a lot it's a lot of responsibility on them to to make this whole it, thing work. As it should be. As it should be. It should be. But I mean, I would venture to guess if I'm a CEO listening to this right now, I might be thinking, okay, Brianna, girl, that sounds nice, but you're clearly not a CEO because I do not have that time on my hands. And the he or he would not be wrong in stating that, right? Mm. So then well, how the heck do you do that? And that's where companies like Impact come in. Yeah. So I'll use an example. One of our head coaches, Brian Casey, who I work very closely with, part of his role as a head coach is that he meets with people in leadership. So those CEOs on a biweekly or monthly basis, depending on what it is that we're working on. But through those conversations, Brian uses his very strong skill set of coaching business leaders so that they can prioritize that involvement with their staff. And we can actually open up their calendar and say, what is priority right now? Is this a higher priority than working with, say, your sales team or having one conversation with your content team? So that's where having that essentially your own like personal business coach through impact really can be the person, the people who help you navigate that culture shift because it's not easy. If it were easy, everyone would do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But it's not, it's tough work. You gotta be willing to put in the tough work. Well, you know, Brianna, I mean, this has been like a, an amazing uh, adventure. I mean, you know, we, we got to pull underneath the hood of They Ask You Answer, see how that ties into RevOps. You know, we went, we went back to, we went back to the middle school. We talked math and how, how you can implement RevOps in a, in a, in a, in a math class. I mean, that's not something, you know, we're, we talk about every day. So you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to jam with me on this today. Yes, of course. Anytime. I love talking all things They Ask You Answer, of course. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And uh, to any listeners out, you know, out there, if you if you liked it, you know, please uh, give Brianna a holler. Brianna, where, where can people uh, learn more about you? Yes, you can go to impactplus.com. That's our main website where you can find everything and anything you know about our products and services, but more importantly, about They Ask You Answer. Because whether you work with Impact or not, They Ask You Answer is something you can implement today with or without a coach. But also you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search my name. Yeah, I mean that's that's where everybody can find everybody these days. So anyway, anyways, you know, Brianna, again, thanks for thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. 
You're very, very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yep. This has been another episode of RevOps 500 and we'll catch you all next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevOps500.com. RevOps 500 is sponsored by CompuCare, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams.